Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Front Page 305. Welcome back to Front Page 305. <clears throat> Miami Heat, big victory last night over the Milwaukee Bucks. Round two has gotten uh, started. And today's show, I got Walter Villa, Andre Fernandez back with me once again. Talk a little South Florida sports here for an hour on Slam Radio. Uh, gentlemen, uh, how are you doing, first of all? How are you, Walvi? Introduce yourself. Manny Navarro from The Athletic. You forgot no, that part. No, it's a given. Everybody knows. Everybody knows when they <laughs> tune in, this is my show. And you guys are just sidekicks. And, and ah, so they, okay. they know. I, I have to I have to feed it to the sidekicks. I didn't get the memo. I didn't get the memo. It was your show only. <laughs> oh, wait How you doing? You didn't it, answer is, my wait question. Wait a minute. Is, is it okay to talk? Or is it your show? I have to we, give you, you permission. Know. I, I oh. was giving you guys permission. All right, I'll, I'll go wait in the corner again. <laughs> How are you guys doing, by the way? Doing great, great man. Yeah, hustling, hustling to get right? over here. My uh, wife's 40th birthday is today, so want to wish her a happy birthday. Bought, ordered her a cake. Can't, had to go have it delivered the last minute by, by Grubhub, so that's why I'm, I was hustling over here. If I sound like I just ran, that's pretty much literally what I just did. Now, yeah, does was, she want that I'm blasted at she's 40? Does she would prefer you have said 30 or 29? No, nah, she's okay with it. She's okay with it. But yeah, you're right. Maybe I should have said 30. <laughs> About 30, man. Because <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Gentlemen, we're going to have uh, Sandy Harwit, who is a tennis writer. She's going to be coming on with us in the second segment. Sandy's a, a friend of Walter's. And, you know, we just want to get Walter's friends on the show. That's what the plan is here uh, for every episode. That's our mission buddies. Um, no, Sandy's actually a really good journalist. She's been at this for a long time, over 30 years, covering uh, – Wimbledon, French Open, U.S. Open, and, uh, you know, obviously the U.S. Wimbledon? Open. Wimbledon? Wimbledon. It's a D, Manny, not a T. Yeah, know, your lack of tennis I'm knowledge saying is it, showing. I'm saying it with the British accent, right? Wimbledon. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no? Okay. Go ahead. For you. Go ahead. I'll be in the corner again. Go, Go back to you your corner. I remember, your, your job is to be Glenn Rice. I hit you for the open three. Come on. Right. Get, be ready for Whenever it. Whenever the pass actually gets here. Right. Well, I'm going to give you lots of passes. I always, feisty I'm Andre. I like it. The feisty Andre today. No, no. This is the guy I love. I'm trying to try to get him pump started here. He ran late. First of all, he got to here late, right? He, yes. he was like signed in literally right when we were beginning. And, and now he it, wants the damn ball. He's like, give me the damn ball. You, yes. had, you had not opened your mouth yet. The theme song was going. If the theme song's going, technically it hasn't totally started yet. It's all good. All right. <laughs> well, enough, enough infighting. Enough infighting. Thank you, Frankie, for the sound effects. I appreciate it. Um, so anyway, uh, Miami Heat, big win last night, beat the Bucks. pretty impressed with Jimmy Butler, 40 points, took over the fourth quarter, 15 in the final period. Miami was down, I think, 96-95, and basically playoff Jimmy took over. And the one thing I took away from that game, you know, everybody all season long has been saying, well, the Bucks, they're the best team in the league, they're going to get to the finals, this is their year. But what I saw last night, um, you know, they're, they're the number one team in, in the NBA in terms of scoring points on transition, you know, sort of dominating the paint. That's their uh, repertoire. And yet the Miami Heat is one of the best teams in the league at getting back on defense and shutting them down. And and so it, it worked perfectly. But the one thing I took away um, from last night was really just how Giannis Antetokounmpo disappeared in the clutch moments and didn't even ask to cover Jimmy Butler while he was tearing his team up. I don't know if you know that or not. He was actually asked that on the, on the Zoom after the game. But <clears throat> Giannis said, you know, why would I why would I ask to cover Jimmy? You know, he was kind of like, why would you guys ask me that? Uh, hmm. And it's like, dude, you're the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. This is that, winning time. That's and where Jimmy Bam, Butler. Go that's ahead, Bam wouldn't have even waited. He would have asked for it. Right. Or Jimmy would have asked for it. So to me, it was kind of an interesting sort of insight into the personalities of these guys a little bit um, that – you know, the NBA defensive player of the year, the guy who is the Greek freak um, actually did not even ask to guard Jimmy Butler as, as the Bucks were losing that game one. Maybe that speaks to the overconfidence the Bucks have, you know, maybe he's, he's trying to be one of those guys who just trusts in his teammates, but I thought it was really interesting um, little sort of sub story to, to what happened last night. Well, V, did you have any thoughts on the game? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I, I've liked this team from the beginning. And I think it's a person, Jimmy's an alpha dog. We talked about it in the, in the Pacer series. I asked you guys, there's any doubt that he is going to basically punk uh, Warren from the Pacers. And both of you guys said, no, no doubt. And he's just that type of personality. There was a quote yesterday, guys, where uh, Jimmy says, I told my teammates I wasn't going to pass the ball. And they said, that's fine with me. That's a great quote on both sides. First of all, for Jimmy, he was feeling it. 
He's hot, and for and maybe the reason it didn't work for him quite in the other stops, maybe the other guys got jealous. It's always egos and things like that. Mm-hmm. They said, "No, man, you're hot. Go with it." So I really like his alpha dog mentality. My question is, it probably is not sustainable for the whole series for him to make as many jumpers as he did, but it is sustainable for him to attack the rim and get to the free throw line. That's what he does. Um, but right now, this is working, and. Andre, what do you think in terms of like the whole plan is if, if the Heat could beat the Bucks, and maybe that convinces the Greek freak Gianna that he doesn't want to be in Milwaukee anymore and he comes over to Miami. Maybe he brings Lou Alcindor with him. That's an inside joke. But uh, <laughs> what, what well, do you think, Dre? I, I'm, well, for starters, I think the Greek freak is going to have to ask for the man because they're going to want that kind of dog mentality on defense if he does wear the heat jersey because that, that's, mm-hmm. that's why I brought up Bam because it's a comparable big man in terms of like, you know, the way that Bam people, so, some people think, some people don't know if he'll ever reach that Giannis caliber, but they think he's not far off. And Bam wants that challenge. He wants to, to, even the smallest guard, he's like, let me defend that guy. You'd love to see that from Giannis. But yeah, going to back to Jimmy, I don't think, yeah, I agree with you. The outside shooting, if you look at his numbers throughout the season, it's been pretty bad, especially from three-point range. I mean, I like the fact that he selectively takes his three-pointers. It feels like all these playoff games, he's hitting two for two in the clutch, and that's mm-hmm. all they need. Like, it, it, they're timely three-pointers. If, it, if, it's, if he keeps it to that, Yesterday, in that sense, was maybe a little bit of an aberration in a good way for them. You know, they he caught fire at a great moment there. But yeah, the aggressiveness, though, the offensive attacking on the paint and, and doing and doing those type of things and just being that kind of, you know, that kind of leader right now on the court is what they're feeding off of. That's what they need to see more. But the shooting, I think it's just being selective and, and kind of just finding the right moments for it. And also, Manny, uh, Duncan Robinson didn't do much. So so that's an explosion that's yet that's to happen. Still in the back, you know right? what a great shooter he is. Yeah. Right, right. No, they they listen. They shot. I think it was thirty eight percent from three. The Bucks actually outshot them from three point range with how explosive Chris Middleton was in the first half. But another, you know, to kind of follow up that Jimmy uh, commentary, I wrote this in my story. I was up to about four in the morning last night writing my Heat story wow. um, that posted on theAthletic.com. But you need to sleep. Yeah, I do need to sleep. Um, I, I woke up and went straight to a University of Miami Zoom call. But anyway, I mean, Jaguars, Marlins. I mean, it's it's uh, Drake. Can I bring you back? Can I can I pay for you to come back? I mean, I mean freaking yeah. athletic. I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah, let, let me know whenever you become the CEO over there and you can get it done. It'd be great. <laughs> um, but getting back to Jimmy for a second, I, I, this stat was was interesting. Caught my eye last night. Um, Jimmy heading into the playoffs was tw- was shooting 28% outside of the paint. Okay. Obviously we know he, he's a guy who has to drive to the hoop, shoot those little floaters, but 28.8% from outside the paint so far in the playoffs, he's 11 of 21 on shots taken outside the paint. That's over 50% and six of nine from three point range. Obviously, you know, you, you kind of always regress to the mean. So I think Walter's point about, being able to maintain it, you know, is, is he really going to be able to do that? But again, this is, this is what kind of is playoff Jimmy. It's a guy who just elevates his game to another level. Um, and I know you want to make a point, Dre, and I want to get to it real quick, but a couple more things about yesterday um, that I, that I thought maybe, you know, a little bit of a, of, of an aberration that might tell us that the series is going to get tougher here for the heat. Number one, uh, they won the rebounding battle with as much length mm-hmm. as they have, um, you know, M- Milwaukee's bigger and, and Bam Adebayo ended up grabbing 17 boards in this game. One little interesting sub sub note to that. Udonis Haslam sat down, broke film, broke down film with him <clears throat> before the game to show him some spots where he thought Bam could get the ball um, and, and explained it to him. And I thought that's interesting, you know, yet again, um, you know, a former a guy who's not really doing much on the court for you, but what's the value of Udonis Haslam? Well, mm-hmm. his his value is what he sees on the court. And I would say the same thing for Dwayne Wade because Butler, you know, him the reason he's in Miami in large Ooh. part is because Ooh. of Dwayne Wade. Yeah, he your Wade. buddy, your buddy, your <laughs> buddy, the guy who um who uh, doesn't like answering your questions. But uh Jimmy Jimmy talked about it yesterday that that how much of an uh, of an influence Dwayne is on him, and they talk about him becoming a closer, and I know. Look, Jimmy has a history of being a great closer in this league uh, in the regular season, hitting a lot of big shots last year uh, in the playoffs, you know, with Philadelphia, he, he made a couple big shots on the stretch, but, you know, becoming that closer requires a confidence to take over. And I know you mentioned how uh, Walter, how he, he, he said to his teammates, I'm not even going to pass you the ball, but the part that you <laughs> skipped, the part that's in my athletic story, which is why you should subscribe to the athletic. Wait, is, I, I am a subscriber. No, I know. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about our listeners. 
Oh, okay. The reason you should read you should read the athletic and subscribe. Not only is it is it cheap, you can get forty percent sent off using uh, the Wide Right podcast uh, link that I've sent out. But besides all of that, he says I'm such a good businessman. Can you, can you believe this? Besides all of that, the reason why Jimmy Butler, um, you know, and Dwayne Wade, that relationship is special. Is he's basically taught him that look, you you kind of have to just take over. You can't just be the nice guy and ask for permission. And what happened yesterday in that game was Goran Dragic, Andre Iguodala, and Duncan Butler, all, uh, Duncan Butler, Duncan, Duncan Robinson, Butler. all came up to Jimmy good friend at of the Ron end Flores. of – What's that? Good friend of Ron Flores. <laughs> yes, a good friend of Ron Flores, correct, D- Duncan Butler. All three of those dudes came up to Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter and were like, dude, take over, go win the game. And then that's when he decided, okay, I'm not passing the ball after he hit a couple of shots because he missed his first two shots in the fourth quarter right before the Bucks took the lead. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, playoff Jimmy took his cape off and then dominated. Well, and so, I mean, Dre, I, I just think, I mean, how how special do you think Butler really is? I mean, is this a guy that can maintain what he's doing? And and, and if not, you can get to your point. I know I, I stepped all over you again. No, actually, it didn't this time, miraculously, okay. but yeah. Um, <laughs> um, coffee is for closers only, as we know, and we know Jimmy's turned into a hell of a coffee salesman in the bubble, so, you know, it right. didn't surprise me one bit that he may be the best closer in town, really. I mean, regardless of sport right now. And yeah, I think the Marcus don't really have one, do they? No, nah, I'm insulting Brandon Kinsler for no reason. Maybe I'm being a douche today, but um, no, in all seriousness, though, yeah, I think it, it's it always amazes me how the special ones, the great ones, can do this, like can just literally do this flipping of the switch in the playoffs, do something they haven't done all year, like hitting big shots, hitting those shots consistently from outside the way he has. But again, I still think law of averages, it's just going to depend on when he's in rhythm because you don't want Jimmy to then suddenly hit a bad stretch during a game and then they fall behind and then he's forcing the shot and continuing to miss. And then that just compounds the problem and they lose a game because of that reliance on it. And one thing, the one thing also that I wanted to point out about the game you know, it is one win. It's only game one. But if you look at the way that game started, they took a pretty good punch from the Bucks yesterday. They shot 60% in the first half. Miami withstood that, came back, and thoroughly outplayed them pretty much the last two and a half quarters. So that that shows even within the, 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 the scope of it just being one game, it was a pretty nice little statement for them to begin the series. Hey, uh, go ahead. Manny, I know we're coming up on a break. One quick comment here that actually Andre touched on. I was thinking about this in terms of all the athletes on their level, including the, our big time sports that we cover, including college basketball, college football, and, 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 you know, the, the, the pro sports that we have, I mean, Jimmy's the best one in town right now, best athlete in town. I mean, the only guys that would even come close and is Derek King. We just based on what he did in Houston mm-hmm. and um, Alexander Barkov, who hasn't had that, you know, playoff performance that we can point to. And then I would say, potentially could be Tua and Sixto. I know we're going to talk about Sixto in, in our last segment about the Marlins, but those are the guys. Am I missing somebody? I mean, right now, Jimmy's the guy in, in town, correct? Yeah, Right, he right. is. I, I would say Bam is on that level as well because Bam is such an integral part. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, the Panthers have some guys, right? I mean, who? who even Barkov. Guys? <laughs> they, yeah, they, right. they play with they play with sticks. I guess. This little rubber puck that they they they, <laughs> right. they, they they beat around the ice there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess the Panthers have they play players. up in Sunrise. Them, Manny, I've never really seen them do anything. But Manny, the arena's very close to your house. It's it in is? Sunrise. <laughs> okay. It's near the Sawgrass Mall. You can do some shopping while you're out there. I think he's making a reference that they they uh, they just don't win. Right. And, and I think, and, and uh, speaking of, of that, I mean, even the Marlins, right. I mean, I guess now I know somebody on their roster, Starling Marte, that was a big trade for them uh, yesterday, getting a guy who at least has been to an all-star game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, they have a few guys that have been to all-star games. The problem is right. they're like three years removed from being all-stars and you, and they, but you know, I think Starling can, can prove in the last few games. But, and the refreshing part, and we'll get to that later was the fact that they think they can keep him for a little bit for a right. change, not a rental. But this is Jimmy's town right now, no question. Oh, easily, easily. It is I mean, his town. Well, Tua hasn't played yet, so one, one, you know, that's the part of it too. And then Sixto's not there yet; he just started. The hope is that one day he becomes a household name for real in this town pretty soon. By the way, I got bad news for you guys. Um, just, just coming out here, Barry Jackson from the Miami Herald has put this out. He's the TV man in the city, so it doesn't matter that we work for for different teams. We don't have a the Athletic doesn't have a TV man. I'm not a TV man. I'm sorry. TV man. Uh, very unfortunate news, Barry writes. UM September 10 opener versus UAB at Hard Rock Stadium has been relegated to the ACC network, which is still not available in most South Florida homes. 8 p.m. start. Oh, great. Now I got to get it. So that means I, I actually got to go to the network. stadium now to go watch Derek King and company do their thing. 
Bad news the ACC me. Network. Manny, we're gonna get to our break, man. I'm do, do we? We got Sandy Harwood coming after the break. You're, Frank's nodding his head, so that means yes. All right, Sandy Harwood, tennis writer. After the break, Walby's friend. See ya. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Here's that song again. Yay. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Yay. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Yay. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve. By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Flowers are beautiful, but they become even more so when carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's. At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, Hundreds of thousands carry different colored flowers, signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day, there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Slam Radio is more than just a radio station, but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only that I matter, but that I have a voice. And the mentors we have here, like Frank the Tank and Amigo, make you love this amazing program even more. There are very few words that can describe Slam Radio. One word that definitely comes to mind is familia, family. We've been offered so many unique opportunities to be a part of something great. I will always be grateful to Slam Radio and everybody a part of Slam Radio. We are a family. They are my family and they will always continue to be my family and I will forever be thankful and I know they got my back just like I got theirs. I love being part of Slam Radio. Yo, this is K9 and you're listening to Slam Radio Series 6M145. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Series 6M145 Slam Radio. All right, we're back. This is Walter Villa. Manny Navarro handed me the ball. He wants nothing to do with tennis talk, apparently, but I do. And we've got uh, Sandy Harwood on the line. Sandy, welcome to the front page. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, U.S. Open, I guess, just started yesterday. Uh, give us your thoughts on, I mean, Djokovic, I guess, is the is the favorite uh, for the men. Is Serena still the favorite for the women? And do you have any kind of... Uh, maybe a surprise that you think might might come away with the two titles? Well, I think, firstly, we should, it's going to be a very different U.S. Open, and I think uh, the fact there are no fans and everything, it's going to play with a lot of players' minds in different ways. So I, one thing to point out, some of the top players who are used to an adoring crowd going crazy for them, 
it's going to feel very flat to them. They're going to feel like they're in a practice match. On the flip side, some of the players who are lesser players who get nervous with big crowds and everything, they're going to feel like, well, this is just like practice, nothing to be nervous about. So I think that's going to be an interesting element to see how uh, the top players can stay focused without having somebody raining, you know, all these wonderful plaudits on them. Uh, I think that Novak Djokovic is probably the solid pick to win an 18th Grand Slam title. There's no Nadal, who's the uh, defending champion, no Federer with a knee injury. Dominic Thiem is somebody to watch, the Austrian. He's been in a couple of Grand Slam finals. Uh, he certainly has the ability, but he hasn't quite been able to step up there. I just think that Novak has the type of personality that when he's determined and he feels like he's the guy, it's going to be whether he's feeling fit. He had a neck injury last week in the Cincinnati-run New York event. Um, but, you know, he'll push himself through that. So I think he's solid. I think Serena is a little bit more worrisome to get that elusive 24th Grand Slam title. Uh, last week Why? she lost to most. I think, well, I, first of all, I think what she always was great, besides the serve and everything, is she was always a great closer. Once she set her mind that she was on that path, even if she lost the set, she was always there in everything uh, that she needed to do. Well, she's no longer the Mariano Rivera of the women's tour. Uh, she just has problems closing. Last week in the Cincinnati slash New York tournament, she lost to Maria Sakari, who is a very good player, and um, she she was near tears after you know, the, losing the second set, the third set, she was almost crying the whole way. She's just not feeling that secure. She 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 admitted it. I almost thought that she might decide not to play, but mm. she really wants to have that 24th. I think, you know, there, the, the other thing is in the locker room, nobody really feels like you can't beat Serena anymore. They know everyone figures they have a choice, you know, and a chance. So I, I think that's interesting. I think you can look, though. She's one of the South Florida players that I think you can look to and think that could walk away with the trophy. I, I'm not counting her out, but I think she's going to struggle. I think you have to look at uh, Naomi Osaka, who lives in Boca Raton. Uh, she's won two Grand Slams, nothing since the Australian 2019. She had a little bit of a um, injury, and she pulled out of the final in uh, Cincinnati slash New York. I don't know what to call that event. Uh, so she's <laughs> a little bit questionable, but, uh, you know, she certainly is a very solid player, and I don't think we should uh, discount uh, Sophia Kennan, who won the Australian Open, her first Grand Slam title. She's a, a Miami girl, um, or I think, maybe a little further up into Broward County, but uh, she's she's very talented, and I nobody's really talking about her, so I think she could have a, a good chance. I think maybe the three of them have a better chance than the actual top seed, Carolina Pushkova, although I think she might have an advantage without the crowd because I think she gets she's talented, and she's a great lefty, and she has an incredible serve, but I think she gets nervous in the end, part of tournaments because of the crowd and things like that. Yeah, I mean, Sandy, I'm writing all this information out. I'm going to call my bookie as soon as this uh, interview is over because uh, you're giving us uh, a wealth of knowledge. If people don't know Sandy Harwood, this woman has covered tennis. I think we talked before the show, maybe 25 to 30 different countries, uh, including U Ukraine, which is uh, Andre's favorite country, but also Qatar, <laughs> Uh, all over South America, Davis Cups, every Wimbledon, except I think you told me two since 1990, Australian Open, French Open. So the amount of tennis that this woman knows is incredible. Um, I, I, Andre's going to be next to question. I guess one other thing I wanted to ask you, Sandy, if you had to say greatest player ever, just one man, one woman, what would who would it be? Oh, wow. I, I really don't believe in the GOAT the greatest of all time, um, because I just think there's too many factors. But I, I think for the women, it would have to be Serena um, and, and maybe just overall. Uh, it's still incredible what she has achieved, um, even if she doesn't get uh, herself the 24th to tie Margaret Court. 
Uh, I think you have to look at Margaret Court did not come through as, you know, in, in this era of tennis, and I think that the players are better, and she played a lot of Australian Opens. She won them fair and square, but there weren't that many players that went down there at that time. Gotcha. And she's not right, Andre. Like <laughs> you didn't really answer the mail, but okay. Sa no. Go ahead, Andrew. No, Sandy, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, wish I was in New York to, in the normal circumstances to watch the tournament for starters, but we appreciate it. Um, wanted to ask you, you, I know you mentioned the South Floridians, but uh, on the men's side, anyone maybe under the radar that could make some noise maybe from South Florida in this tournament? And also, since you have covered uh, all, you know, all these events over the years, which of the major tournaments would you say is the best one, the best experience? Because I know religiously I watch Wimbledon every summer, so I don't know, like, which one to you is the best one? Well, I'll take to say, I, I, I find something I like in each one that's a little different, and some of it has changed. Like, I used to really like going down to Australia because it had a really, like, um, personal touch. It always felt like you were going home, like it was a small event, even though it was a big event. Well, now... They're like trying to become the biggest and the best, and they're rebuilding the site and rebranding the site and everything so that homey feel is kind of gone. I think, you know, I love the French. I like that you feel like you're in Paris when you're at the event. It's just really, you know, fabulous. It feels foreign. It has that uh, je ne sais quoi kind of feel about it. I, and the United States, States has the U.S. Open, which is always, I think, if you're seeing the most exciting matches, that's where you want to see it. The New York crowds are just so incredible, which is why I think you're going to feel their absence this year, because they are just, they often will stay, you know, till like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and they'll cheer, and they really know how to make an event. But overall, I think also there's the tradition of Wimbledon, and there's nothing like it. You know, you mm. feel like when you walk through those gates, Every every time you walk through those gates, particularly the first time each year, you feel like you're becoming a part of history, yeah. and, and it's just overwhelming. Um, as for South Florida um, youngsters, uh, unfortunately, I, I don't think we have any that are really uh, ready to make any noise on the men's side yet. So I wish I could tell you otherwise, but, uh, you know, I was going to pick... <laughs> If I was going to pick two guys beyond Dominic team, I'd say because the courts I understand are playing pretty fast. I would look at Stefanos Sitsipas, the uh, Greek player. Uh, he has a lot of talent. He's not, you know, it's kind of like his sophomore year almost. So even though there hasn't been much of a season, he's kind of finding his footing after having a lot of success. You know, uh, you can look at Sasha Zavrev a little bit, but I'm, I'm, feeling like he might end up being the player who should have won the slam and maybe never will like some other guys because he just doesn't have the head to really uh, be focused on just tennis. Hey, Sandy, it's Manny Navarro. How are you? Hey, good. And you, Manny? Good. So I wanted to bring up this new commercial uh, with Serena and Venus, the Nike commercial. I don't know how, how, if, how many people have seen it yet, but it, caught it my eye yesterday during the Miami Heat playoff game. They played it a couple of different times. And I know obviously you, you've covered uh, tennis for over 30 years. And I'm sure you have some, some good Serena and, and Venus stories. But first off, what did you think of that commercial? And then maybe if you could share any good uh, Serena or Venus stories that you've got. Yeah, uh, I've actually seen the commercial once. I know it went through like a history of their like being around. And, uh, you know, it's like I remember seeing these these two young girls coming out to the Delray tournament before they were playing on the men's tour with their beads and their hair and everything. Yeah. And they were on a back court hitting the ball and like thinking, wow. And then their father, you know, you're like, going, well, well, what does he really know? But he says, oh, my girls are going to run the world and my youngest <laughs> is going to be the best, best ever. And I remember partially thinking like, well, that's, kind of like unfair to Venus, but and in the end he was right and they seemed so close, I guess it works for them. And, uh, and, so and Sandy, Sandy, there was a big controversy, you mentioned just really quick about the beads. Remember that was all the, the thing about the beads on the court if they fell off and there was so much, right. you know, kind of yeah, that, almost hate. 
Right. Well, they lost points, I know, a few times when the beads fell off. because. And, and to be fair, I mean, if you didn't find the bead and whatever, somebody could step on it and it could be a problem and stuff. But they really have uh, evolved through those. And I remember first thinking, well, like you almost thought they were one and the same because they were so close in age and they wore the same hairstyle and a lot of the same things and you thought like well you could swap them out and everything but in the end and as you got to know them and everything they're just two really distinct personalities and very much um, their own people and and not at all alike in a lot of ways which I think has been really interesting to evolve uh, and see um, one S- of my Sandy. favorite S- yeah. Sandy yeah we're, we're, we got time for that one last story I know it's Bikini shopping with Serena and Venus. Do I have that right? You did. That's what I was going to bring up. Yes, I went to bikini shopping with them um, in Delray Beach after they did a press conference along, like, right in a store right by Boston's um, on the beach there. And uh, there was another person who was working with them at that time who kept bringing, like, Serena these little dainty kind of, like, uh, preppy suits. And she kept making a face and everything. I said, hold on, I'll go find you something. And I got something that looked like an American Indian thing with beads. And she ended up buying it. She was very thankful. And uh, it was great. They were trying them on. What do you think of this? It was a fun experience. It was years ago. They were really kind of new to the tour. Yeah, I mean, Manny Doral has never, for example, uh, shopped for swimming trunks for LeBron James. That's that's never happened, I don't believe. Well, he doesn't know what he's missing. He doesn't know what he's missing. (laughs) <laughs> well sandy it's great to have you on i'm always indebted to you because because of you i got to cover three davis cup ties one in jacksonville okay that wasn't that great one in canada and one in beautiful columbia so um that was awesome and it was it was great fun to cover davis cup with all the enthusiasm for that and um your expertise in tennis is incredible want to thank you for uh coming by the front page Anytime. Love to come, and I'm glad that I was able to get you uh, those gigs. Any, if I hear of them, I'm always willing to pass them along. Absolutely. And if you have something for Andre to cover tennis in the Ukraine, I'm sure he'd be interested. Okay. I'll let him even know if, the next time. Even <laughs> if I have to pay for the flights and the, and the hotel, it's all good. Okay. All right. Thanks, okay. Andy. Take care, guys. And we're going to be right back to talk about the Marlins, the trades, and everything Marlins right after this. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Here's that song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve. By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, it, look, if they pick up two Anigamanu Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It does, you I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on two Anigamanu Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Anigamanu Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Anigamanu Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Anigamanu Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Anigamanu Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Flowers are beautiful, but they become even more so when carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's. 
At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, hundreds of thousands carry different colored flowers, signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day, there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Yo, this is K9, and you're listening to Slam Radio Series 6M 145. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Series 6M 145 Slam Radio. Welcome back to the Front Page. I've taken over again. No more Wall V <laughs> driving this, this car. Um... Gentlemen, Major League Baseball trade deadline yesterday. I want to get into that. A um, couple of things I want to note first before we get into the Marlins talk. Number one, uh, Josh Tolentino of The Athletic, who's now the, the Dolphins beat writer. We did a lengthy podcast with him yesterday that I've still got to put on the podcast, but we talked secrets. to him at length. Dolphins. Dolphins. Secrets. <laughs> I, I found that fascinating. Before we get it, I want to get to the Marlins talk, but did you guys not find it fascinating, the rules that let's the Dolphins have Let's explain place? what the whispers are about, though, so people know yes. what we're whispering, if you yes, haven't heard. We, Yes, the reason is the Dolphins, I guess, are being top secret with all their reporters. They're not allowed to go in there and tweet live from anything that's sort of going on in practice. They're not even allowed to, after they're gone from practice, to write about where guys are taking snaps, first team, second team, third team. And they're banning reporters. And they're literally suspending people. Yeah, they're suspending guys for three or four days. Omar Kelly was one of them. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know what else is going to happen here going forward, but Obviously, once they play a game, there's no more hiding, right? But right. I just think it's 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 ridiculous that the media's had to sort of agree to this secrecy and dolphins whispers. <laughs> so well, anyway, not, we had a fun. It was for a fun it to not podcast. be an NFL for it to not be an NFL wide policy is the part too, because you you see other teams like Jaguars guys are live tweeting everything and right, you know, a few other teams too. It's like. All right, let's dig our teeth into the Marlins because they are 15 and 15. They're going to play the Blue Jays here twice. Then they go on the road. They've got 17 games at home here over the final 30. And really, when you look at uh, the moves that they made yesterday, Michael Hill got on the Zoom call with us, super excited about what they were able to do. They got a Conine in the trade. They brought him back, uh, Jeff Conine's son, Griffin. Um, And then they got Starling Marte, who's – uh, you know, in his th- early 30s now, um, former All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner. He's going to take over in center field, uh, is my guess. And the Marlins feel like they've got a shot to make the playoffs. I know that I keep telling you guys it's going to be 20 years, but hey, listen, <laughs> we got to entertain ourselves. Go ahead, Wolvie. I want to, I want to, I want to argue about the Marlins with you guys, but I also want to say, I know Manny, you and I are really happy for Andre because he has been hired. And they're actually paying real dollars uh, right. to be to do a podcast for the Miami Herald. And when we started doing our podcast, and then that's not a radio show, but at first it was a podcast. I think it was ten weeks ten weeks ago in my house, trying to be socially distant, trying to get the COVID all over each other, mm-hmm. and trying to start up this whole endeavor. Trying not to, and we try not to get COVID <laughs> over each other. Thank you, Dre. And we're saying this is this is for me, it was just for fun. It'll never make any money, not this, that and the other thing. But now, actually, I'm so happy, Manny. I know you're thrilled that it got a paying gig for Andre doing the podcast with the Marlins. So congratulations um, to Andre for that. And Andre also wants to brag because we did a we did a segment early in our podcast about outlandish predictions. And he made one that Sixto Sanchez would be the NL rookie of the year. I don't think he, I don't know if he's going to do that because I don't, I don't know what, I haven't really followed what the other rookies in the league are doing, but there's no question the guy is a baller. And at the time that Andre made that prediction, mind you, um, the Marlins hadn't had COVID. They had five starters. There was no room for him in the rotation. So we knew all along this guy was the number one prospect, but pretty good prediction so far. Dre, congratulations on both those things, the gig and the prediction. Well, first of all, thank you guys, because I do appreciate this, you know, the chance to do this with you guys, even if we're making like 10 cents an hour here, it, it's fun. It doesn't, <laughs> it's not about that for me and I want to keep doing that. But uh, also with six though, funny you mentioned, and you know, the prediction and all of that, my co-pilot on that other podcast, Jordan McPherson just p- tweeted out that uh sports betting has put out some odds. Six though now has 25 to one odds of winning NL rookie of the year. So it's Who's becoming... Uh, no, it just says the odds. It doesn't have like oh. a ranking of who, but it just says this tweet just said the odds. But it's interesting that it's becoming a talked about topic now. Like it's on the radar that that this guy could 
have a chance if he stays in the rotation and if he makes enough starts to really, you know, to make me, an impression. Man, he's already the best pitcher on that staff. He's better than Sandy. I know Sandy got knocked around. He hadn't pitched in a month. I'm not judging off that. I'm just saying his stuff is electric. He's better than Sandy right now. Well, tool, tools wise, he is. The, all, the, all that's left yeah. now is can he do it? Can you know? Can he keep it together in the experience to come later? Well, Michael Hill yesterday used the phrase "frontline championship frontline starting pitching," which is why they were able to ship off uh, Caleb Smith and and uh, Hector Mejia, two two guys who were part of their starting rotation, to get uh, Marte. Uh, look. I, tons of confidence in his pitching staff and, and Sixto certainly giving you a lot of reason. I thought Trevor Rogers looked good, right. Too, as well as his, his two pitching yeah. performances. So yeah. both of those guys so far out of the gate look like they're legitimate major league starting pitchers, not, you know, uh, guys who are just dressed up as pitchers and really clowns underneath. I think <laughs> they're, they're legitimate. And so, yes, I mean, it always helps when you have real championship frontline starting pitching, it gives you an opportunity to make the playoffs. So does the fact that, Hey, you know what? There's eight teams that make the playoffs this year in the National League, not four. And so the Marlins do have a shot right now. The problem is they got to learn how to win at home. I mean, one and eight at home, Dre. I mean, no. how do you how do you suck so much at home uh, as the Marlins? I, I just don't get it. Um, They're missing point, all the fans. Turn this around. They're missing all the fans is what it is. That's what it is. You nailed it, Walter. <laughs> Well, the ballpark has been talked about to death about how it's not favorable to hitting and all of that, but the home runs have been coming in this series. I mean, I mean, in this uh, season so far, the thing is too, like they've only played, they're one and eight and they've only pl they played the fewest home games of any team that feel it, like Mattingly even said it the other day, it feels like they've never been at home practically and they haven't, they've lost, I think it's three, four home games that they've had to play on the road. So this stretch coming up, they are actually going to actually play. I think it's seven, eight straight games at home. It's going to be the first time that they're really there. And can really get something going but to me it's more not just at home but the opponents i mean you look at the remaining schedule they still have to play the braves the rays the yankees it's all not just teams that could make the playoffs like that like around the 500 mark no we're talking world series contenders and that's what's going to be telling if they can if they can continue to stay afloat and continue to win but you know when in terms of the rotation i think you see the tools these guys have you see rogers you see Sixto, but down the stretch teams adjust and eventually, right now, they're pitching well because it's only a handful of starts. But eventually, how how are hitters going to adjust to those guys? How are they going to also adjust to seeing more of these guys to, you know, to continue to dominate? And that's going to be key. But the Marte pickup yesterday was big in the sense of now you have a stable center fielder that can hit, that can run, and maybe be a key cog in that, in that lineup where everybody, if everybody else gets going, it turns into a decent uh, little offensive, uh, you know, output there for all of them. Hey, I want to pick a fight with you guys here on these two trades. Okay, the Marte trade I liked. That outfield was terrible. That outfield has to be the worst outfield in the major leagues, okay, before the Marte trade. It's abysmal. Well, you're talking about this year worst because two years ago that was dreadful, or even last year possibly. But two years no, ago, no, no, this year, this year, this year, what they were getting out of Lewis Brinson, what they were getting at or not getting out of Monte Harrison, not getting yeah. out of Lewis Brinson is really, really bad. So that trade, I don't think anybody would have any issue with. The second no. trade, I mean, I've called Derek Jeter out because he says he wants to win more than anybody else. If you want to win, why are you trading away your best players when you got here, A? And then now, if you're really trying to win right now, and please, you guys, argue with me on this if you if you disagree. If you're trying to win right now, why are you trading away your starting second baseman, Jonathan Villar, for a player to be named later, and you don't really have a, a workable? Now you're going to bring back Isan Diaz. I know you have John Birdie. Um that's not a trade that says I want to win right now. Well, the, I, go no, ahead, Dre. You first. No, no, no. no. Oh, the Marte one is the one to win right now. The other one is for the future. But I mean, I think also you look at VR, maybe his, he, he had sort of, it seemed to me like it's almost like he fell out of the plan of what they were trying to do with him too. He wasn't leading off anymore, which is what I thought was really the contribution he right. had. He's not really a center fielder. Now you have a, a real center fielder with Marte and second, you can still patch together some guys at second base, you can put birdie there. Maybe you can move Miggy over there. If you get someone else playing shortstop. I mean, but if you try to win right now, why would you trade Jonathan Villar? Well, They're well, not that, trying that, to win right now. Well, that's where I thought they needed another move. And that was the move for the bullpen. And that's where I think that they didn't get what they needed to get. And I'm, and I'm, and I know I like teasing pick, picked on Kinsler. Kinsler is not the issue. I think it's the setup to Kinsler that it's going to be telling because that, that's where I think they needed to, to bring in some kind of bullpen help to really solidify that, sixth seventh eighth inning to bridge between this you know soon to be great rotation in their minds 
to the bullpen and really because that's what you're going to need down the stretch you're going to be in all these dogfight games if you really are a contender you're going to have games that are 2-2 in the eighth or you know up by one run down by one run and you need those those guys in the middle relief and in the, in the high leverage setup relief to get you there and they didn't and they couldn't get anybody they tried they tried to get trevor rosenthal from the royals and they couldn't so that's where i wonder if that was something that they might you know regret down the stretch not being able to pull something off Manny, they trying to win right now when they trade their starting second baseman for a player to be named later. I mean, I think the Marlins are always trying to win. I think the problem is it's like me. I don't get to the gym, right? I need to lose weight. I always want to go. I just don't get there. And I think the Marlins, you know, they're trying to win. They just don't get there. Um, part of that is talent. I mean, I think, look, to me, the trade for Marte speaks volumes about what they honestly think about what's happened with their with their two major trades to, to replace um you know, Christian Yelich, Yelich and mm-hmm. Ozuna and, and Stanton. I mean, they're supposedly loaded, right, with all these prospects. They got the number four farm system. But yet you bring up Monte Harrison. He's four for 30 with 18 strikeouts and 33 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. You had to send him back down. Jesus Sanchez, who's the big guy that you got in the in the trade with Tampa Bay, right? He, or was it Tampa Bay? Yeah, it was Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, he starts his big league career one for 25. And then Lewis Brinson. Uh, you know, we, we know what he's done. He's batting 200 with a homer and 13 strikeouts and 44 for appearances for three yeah. years now. Although he's, I mean, his, he's probably in his best little stretch of his entire career right now, <laughs> I guess is a little sad, but at the same time, it's like, you don't want to lose the momentum on that. Like let them keep trying to get somewhere. Look, I know they've got other guys, JJ Blade and, and, and other, other hitters are supposed to be coming up, but I, I'm more concerned about what are these guys learning how to hit? Like who's teaching them? I mean, what is, what is kind of happening in the minor league system? Because they're obviously coming up and they're not doing anything. And that's a problem. And, and to me, that's the bigger issue here with the Marlins and why I always kind of poo poo anything that they do, because I, I don't see a future in it right now. They've got Corey Dickerson locked up for next season. They're going to, pay Marte the extra 12.5 million to keep them. That's basically what Mike Hill said yesterday. So you're going to have two veteran outfielders. um, And then you have that right field spot, which I guess you can always move Brian Anderson out there, which is probably the smarter move. But the point is, look, it's like me trying to get to the gym, trying to win. uh, It's just not happening. And I think in their part, if you put Brian Anderson, right, which I like, but then you open up a hole at third. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, but that's how you have to address things in free agency. I mean, but again, the bigger indictment here is they made these trades for all these prospects. None of those guys are delivering yet. And I get it. There was no minor league season. Um, there's a lot of hurdles with COVID-19, everything that sort of happened to them. But I- I'm worried about their future because I honestly do not think that they have any prospects worth worthwhile outside of maybe a few pitchers that you've seen some good things of early, but again, it's early. So that's, that's my issue with the Marlins. By the way, Griffin, Griffin Conine, a uh, nice prospect hit 22 homers last year, 950 OPS, but that was an a ball and he's 23 years old. Hasn't played above a ball. You know, I, I liked him in college at Duke and stuff like that. But like, again, the Villar trade, I know, I guess, I don't know if we really got into the fight that I wanted to have on that to me. They're, they're this show, they're not. I mean, may, that trade in the long run could be a good trade. Maybe Griffin Conine becomes some, somebody, obviously, sentimental pick because his father is Mr. Marlin. But, like, if you're trying to win right now, I just it, – it's a mixed message for me. Well, here, here's the thing with Griffin Conine. And, and again, it seems like you, you gave up this – you gave up Villar, and you were going to lose him anyway at the end of the season. But you're trying to make this run now, and he could be vital to you, like you said. I mean, Isan could come in. What worries me is that Isan could be – the four for the next four for 30 that they get through. Like Manny was saying about Monte, if he's not ready or if he comes in and he's struggling because he hasn't played much in the last couple months, you know, but you look at Kona and if he pans out, then it's fine. Like you said, but he's mostly been a corner outfielder too. And that's where I think on the farm, they're, lo- they're at least loaded in the sense of having a lot of options. If they're all going to pan out, we don't know, but blood day is corner outfielder. Jesus Sanchez is a corner outfielder. Gerard Carnacion is a corner outfielder. There's a lot of guys there, but who plays center field? I mean, for now, Marte, you could put him there. You could pick up the option next year, have him for another season, but then he's 33. You keep him at that point. I mean, it's already getting up there at that point. So then that's where if Monte is a bust and, uh, and, you know, Brinson, we've seen what it's been so far. If he doesn't recover ever become even close to what they hoped, then who plays center in the long term? Hey, uh, Manny, we're, we're we're about to finish the show here. Unfortunately, we run out of time every time. Can you talk us out? Just take the rest of this show, whatever few minutes remain, and talk about Chase Smith. I really want to know uh, your thoughts. What position is he going to play? Uh, what are the questions that I have about him? I mean, I saw Miami pass North Carolina for number two recruiting class. 
you talk a little Canes football for the fans? Yeah, I mean, Chase Smith, uh, his father, of course, played tight end at Miami in the 80s. He's uh, up in the in the Melbourne area. He's going to come in and play striker. He's a four-star recruit, athlete, can play both sides of the football, but Miami views him as a striker. That striker position, obviously, is so important to the to the Canes defense. They need It's really what gives them a lot of personality and flexibility because that guy can, can cover slot receivers and then also come down in the box and make tackles. And so... Uh, I I think Miami's done a good job addressing that position here over the years. And Chase Smith is just another guy who's going to come in and handle that big picture wise with the Canes, uh, you know, next week, we we are literally uh, nine days away from the Canes opener on September 10th against UAB and 8 PM kickoff. As we, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Um, you know, look, they're healthy right now. There's no major injuries in terms of of guys that that are out, at least according to Manny Diaz, unless he's lagging to us right in the face. Uh, I think, you know, they're in a good situation health-wise. Um, we'll, we'll see what, what happens, man. I mean, I'm I kind of uh, I'm optimistic because I feel like this is a team that with the new offense and the kicker, it's going to make all the difference. I, I think the schedule is not tough outside of the trip to Clemson. So I think they're built to win and be successful this year. But again, uh, you know, as, as my uh, colleague Kelvin Harris says on my wide right podcast, very, very often, the one thing about the hurricanes, you worry about their uncle Larry syndrome where, where uh, they uncle Larry is the guy who goes back to the bar and, and just keeps drinking. And he doesn't, he doesn't stay away from the bar. He's at the alibi room. Right. He's at the alibi room. And you worry that is that guy going to show up again? Is uncle Larry going to come out of the hurricanes? Or are they going to, continue to be the, the team that you hope that they be. And uh, I think Derek King is going to be the, the steadying force, Walter, for, uh, for this, uh, for this who, team moving who, forward. I think he's who do they get to, leader. to fill out the class now? What's your prediction? The, the recruiting class. They got, they got, they got two or three spots left. It doesn't matter. I think they're, they're going to have a top 10 recruiting class. The key is to hold on to all the main pieces. That's the most important thing. And, and to Quarterback. do that, you can't embarrass yourself and lose to FIU and people like that again. Well, that's true. Quarterback. Are they going to get the QB uh, that's now in Georgia? No. No, they're not no. going to get Jake Garcia. Not in my opinion. I mean, I would be surprised if that happened. But again, you know, I mean, it. it look, to me, it's oh. about holding on to the guys. I don't think quarterback's okay. a huge need. I think Tyler Van Dyke is good enough. Right. Amari Daniels, a running back, get him? Maybe if he really wants to come here. But again, it's 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 on the kids themselves. And, and we see if we have a high school season, what, how, what kind of an effect that has on kids. Um, are they all going to be trying to get in in January? That kind of thing. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what plays out here. In, in the can, can they get uh, a transfer from a school not playing like in the Big Ten or, or Pac-12? And no, get... no. I mean, I think I think there needs some special regulation. But that, we got your Canes talking, bro. We got your Canes talking. We got to go. We got to get going. Frankie Fernandez is giving me the home run side. The review. That's side. it. The, the yeah, whole, he's trying to give me the James the Harden. Run side. The James the ball, Harden. The ball left the yard. Uh, right. The whatever it is. Yard. All right, guys. That's it. See you later. The views and opinions expressed on Front Page 305 are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.